Welcome to all those joining us for Chaim Aharan. We're continuing the weekly shear because of the fact that this is the Sunday before Rosh Hashanah this year, Tovshin Pei Gimel, and Rosh Hashanah will be the beginning of Tovshin Pei Dalid, 5,784. This year, Rosh Hashanah will be Shabbos and Sunday. I'd like to take this opportunity to go over, we, we are up to paragraph 362 in Chaim Aran. About 10 pages later, there's a small chapter emphasizing the importance of Rabbi Nachman's Rosh Hashanah. And I'd like to cover that today in today's shir as a preparation for Rosh Hashanah for all of us whether it's people who are planning on traveling to Uman, whether people that are in Eretz Yisrael, or are people that Lahavdil in the United States, anywhere in the world, to be able to know and understand what Rabbi Nezal said about Rosh Hashanah as it pertains to him. This section again called Goidel Yikras Rosh Hashanah, the great, the specialness of Rabbi Nachman's Rosh Hashanah. And again, what do we mean by Rabbi Nachman's Rosh Hashanah? The first, this is paragraph 403 in this edition of Chaim Aran. Rabbi Nezal said, My Rosh Hashanah is above everything else in importance. And it's incredible to me that if there are people who are close to me and they believe me, how could it be that, that some of those people aren't careful and, and don't make every effort possible to be with me for Rosh Hashanah. And he used the terms, Ish no one, no one should, should be, is, is exempt from this. Because my, my whole focus is only Rosh Hashanah. And Rabbi Nezal said, I want this to be publicized, that anyone who listens to me and is close to me, should be with me for Rosh Hashanah. No one should be missing. And a person who is with me for Rosh Hashanah should be very, very happy. And he quoted a Pasuk in the Navi Nehemiah, chapter 8, which this Pasuk speaks about Rosh Hashanah during that time of the prophets. And it says, Ichlu madanim amtakim, Eat delicious foods, drink delicious drinks, because celebrating and being joyful with Hashem, that is your strength, that is your power. And that Pasuk is written about Rosh Hashanah. So Rabbi Nezal said, any person spending Rosh Hashanah with me has major reason to rejoice. We'll go an, a number of paragraphs and then we'll pause for questions. Paragraph 404. One of Nezal's students said to him that he really prefers to be by Nezal Shabbos Shuva, the Shabbos between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, and not to be there for Rosh Hashanah. Because he said on Rosh Hashanah he knows that he doesn't really have a proper place to stand in the shul, and in addition he won't necessarily have the, the, the right kind of lodgings, a place to stay that's really good for him and, and the proper food. And because of this, he knows that it's going to disturb his davening. He's not going to be able to really daven with the kind of concentration that he would want to. Therefore, he really prefers not to be there for Rosh Hashanah, but rather to be there at a different time. For example, the Shabbos after Rosh Hashanah. And this is when Rabbi Nezal made this famous statement. <clears throat> whether you eat or don't eat, whether you sleep or don't sleep, whether you pray or you don't pray, meaning whether you'll be able to pray with the kind of kavana that you want to have, with the kind of, of concentration that you want to have, or you won't be able to, be by me for Rosh Hashanah, regardless. And in Yiddish, Rabbi Nezal said, <coughs> Yo essen, nit essen. Yo shlofen, nit shlofen. Yo davenen, nit davenen. Abidu zal sein by mir of Rosh Hashanah. 
And Reb Nachman Shirin, who compiled the Chaim Aran, writes that the truth is, all of this <coughs> is really coming from the Satan, who tries to convince a person that, wow, there are such crowds, you're not going to be able to concentrate, you're not going to have proper lodging. But in most cases, people who do come are able to see that they're able to daven better there, they're able to experience a higher form of tefillah on Erev Rosh Hashanah and the days of Rosh Hashanah than they could experience in any other shul, any other place. Paragraph 405, Rabbein said, My Rosh Hashanah is something unusual. It's a tremendous chiddish. It's something unique and new. And Hashem knows that this is not something that I inherited from my forefathers, from the Baal Shem Tov or anybody else, but rather Hashem has given me this as a gift that I really understand what Rosh Hashanah is. And Rabbein Azal went on to say, not only you, my students, the ones that are close to me, are dependent on my Rosh Hashanah, but the entire world is dependent on my Rosh Hashanah, meaning my, my prayers and, and everything that I and the people that are with me are going to be doing on Rosh Hashanah. The next paragraph, 406 Tavov, this takes place, the final Rosh Hashanah of Rabbi Nezal's life, which was less than two weeks after he passed away on Cholamoid Sukkot. Rabbi Nezal was very, very sick. This was after almost three years of suffering with tuberculosis. And Rabbi Nezal knew that, that his time was very, very limited. Rabbi Nezal says, we were standing near him at the time that people were giving him the kvitlach and the money for pidyon. We know that in general, when a person goes to a tzaddik and asks the tzaddik to be mispalah for him, usually the person writes down their name and the mother's name, names of people that are very close to them, that they're asking the tzaddik to pray on their behalf. And they give tzedakah together with it. They give money to the tzaddik. Because number one, that tzaddik himself needs to live also. And that tzaddik very often has a yeshiva or a shul or different things that he supports or people that look to him for financial assistance. So the, the people would give this pidyon, this money, com- together with submitting their names and any special request. And Rabbein Asal then asked, what happened to this person who didn't, who hasn't come for Rosh Hashanah. And Rab Naftali Zal, who was one of Rab Nezal's closest students, tried to explain and try to defend the person, saying that this person had extenuating circumstances why he couldn't come. And Rab Nezal writes that Rab Nezal did not accept what he said. And Rab Nezal expressed the fact that this was a big mistake. It was a big mistake that this person <coughs> wasn't there. And then afterwards, he spoke about another individual who hadn't come for that last Rosh Hashanah because of major, major obstacles. And because of the obstacles, this person traveled to Rabbein Azal before Rosh Hashanah and spoke to Rabbein Azal about the different obstacles he had. This was actually Reb Aroin, the Rav of the city of Breslov, who was one of Rabbein Azal's closest students for many years. He came to Rabbein Azal way before Rabbein Azal. Rabbein Azal knew Rabbi Nachman for the last eight years of his life. Rabbein Azal came to Rabbi Nachman before Rabbi Nachman had moved to the city of Breslov and was very close to him. And Rabbein Azal made incredible statements about how he felt about this Rabbein Azal. And Rabbein Zal being the Rav, the rabbi of the city of Breslov, and also being an extraordinary chazan, he had a beautiful voice, during the years that Rabbi Nachman was in Breslov, being the rabbi of the city, he had to be with the city people, with the other shul, the main shul of the city, for Musaf of Rosh Hashanah, where he was the chazan, but for Shachris of Rosh Hashanah, he would be with Rabbi Nachman and his students. 
that last year when Rabbi Nachman left Breslov and moved to Uman for the last six months of his life, now Uman, by car, is about an hour and a half away from the city of Breslov. You could imagine those days by traveling with horse and buggy, with, with a wagon with horses, it could have taken a day or more than a day. And Rabbanazal traveled to Rabbanazal before Rosh Hashanah, and he spoke to Rabbanazal about whether he should come for Rosh Hashanah or not. That the people of the city are saying he has a responsibility. He's the Rav of the city. He has a responsibility to be there for the holiday and to be the Chazan for Musaf, which he did every year. And Rabbanazal told Rabbanazal, You have to go back. You cannot be here for Rosh Hashanah. And, and Rabbanazal said, You have no idea of the pain that I'm going to feel in your not being here. So Rebaranzal said, if that's the case, then I'm going to come, I'm going to stay. No, 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 you have to go back. And it went back and forth, and in the end, Rabbanazal insisted that he go back to the city of Breslov. And even though the person started pleading, sort of, that he wants to be there, Rabbanazal <coughs> insisted that he go back. And Rabbanazal again made this statement. Rabbanazal said, I can't imagine the pain that I'm going to have in your not being here. And yet, he, he went back. Afterwards, that era of Rosh Hashanah, Rabbanazal spoke to Rabbanazal and Rabbanazal and said that it's a big pity on Rabbanazal because he really wanted to be here for Rosh Hashanah, but he had his obstacles. And then Rabbanazal said very, very, in, in, a, in an incredible, serious voice, what can I tell you? There's nothing greater than this, than being with me for Rosh Hashanah. And he said that even though other tzaddikim don't say this, so, so you have another question, there's another question on me. Meaning, people had other questions about certain things that Rabbanazal said. Why, and, and coming to this, why this is so extremely important. And Rabbanazal writes that based on the, what Rabbanazal said at the time, it became very clear to us <coughs> several things. Number one, the incredible obligation of one who considers himself a student of Rabbanazal to be with him for Rosh Hashanah even though we had heard it before and we knew about it, but the way he stressed it that last time and from all the movements that he made, the body language, we understood it much, much more. And Rav Nussel says there's no way to describe in writing how, how serious this was. In addition, we also realized how much he wants us to be there in Uman for Rosh Hashanah after his passing away, and that there's nothing greater than this. And in addition, we also learned how important it is for a person to be willing to overcome and break through the obstacles that a person has when they want to accomplish something important, especially when it comes to being there for Rosh Hashanah where a person has to be prepared more than other items to be able to overcome the obstacles and be there for Rosh Hashanah. To the point where even if Rabbeinazal would tell a person and agree that the person should not be there for Rosh Hashanah, the person is not supposed to look at that. And, and not only that, Rav Nosanzal said a person has to be careful not to ask about this. Because if a person asks a tzaddik, whether they should do something that requires extra effort, that requires mesiras nefesh, it requires a person experiencing some self-sacrifice for it, the tzaddik has to say, don't do it. Even though the tzaddik really, really would want the person to overcome the obstacles and to accomplish what needs to be accomplished. And, and Rav Nosanzal adds here in parentheses, that this applies for generations. And now there's, there's some clarification on this, that this is related to what the Gemara says in Makkah's page 10, 
בדרך שאודם רויצה לילך מויליכנו יסוי. That whatever path a person wants to go on, that's the path that Hashem will lead them on. And this is based on the story with Bilam. We know that when, when the, the agents of Bolok first came to Bilam to ask him to go with them to curse the Jewish people, Bilam said, I don't do anything without getting direction from Hashem. That night Hashem appeared to him and Hashem said, don't go, don't go. And yet Bilam really wanted to go. So he, when, he, when he told the agents of Bolok that he, he, does, he can't go, he said, I can't go with you. I can't go with you, hinting to them that maybe if Bolok sends even more important agents, could be there'll be a breakthrough, could be I'll be able to go. And sure enough, that's what Bolok did. And Bilam ended up going with the, the agents and making an attempt to curse the Jews. And Rav Nosson Zalikutelochus has an incredible, incredible explanation of what took place there. How Hashem allows a person sometimes, if a person really wants something, they'll do it, even if Hashem, even if it's something that Hashem really doesn't want them to do. And Hashem will make the outcome be the way Hashem wants it to be in the end. That's on the negative side. And so too when it came to sending the spies to check out the land of Eretz Yisrael. This was something that was insulting to Hashem. Hashem said, I'm giving the Jewish people this wonderful land. It's, it's the best and everything. Not, we we want to check it out first. And, and Hashem said, Shlach lecho maraglim. He didn't say send them. He said send them for you. Meaning, I don't need them. This is not something that I want. But if you want to do this, go ahead and send them. And Moshe Rabbeinu was forced because the Jews insisted on this, Moshe Rabbeinu, their leader, he was forced to comply, even though he really didn't want to, and he realized that this was not going to have a happy ending to it. And Rav Nosanzal says, we saw this by Rabbeinu Zal on, on several occasions, especially when it came to Rosh Hashanah, that there were people who had obstacles, there were different obstacles that made it difficult for them to come, and they asked Rabbeinu Zal, should I, should I come? I have this in this situation. And Rabbeinu Zal said, no, don't. And, and when they insisted, but I really want to come, because you, you, we heard that you said it's so important to be there, Rabbeinu Zal appeared angry. I told you not to come. And, and don't talk about it anymore. And they ended up not coming. And despite that, Rav Nosanzal says, we who were very close to Rabbi Nezal, and we were there all the time, we heard from him, we heard directly from him, and we understood from the different hints that he said, and certain things that he clarified, that he, what he really wanted was that these people should be there. And that he wasn't happy with the fact that they were not going to be there. But once they asked, when, when a person asks and there's difficulties involved, the tzaddik is forced to say, then, then don't come. And Rav Nosanzal says there's a lot to say about this, and some of this will be discussed in other places. And then he goes on to write that this same concept, this same scenario applies for generations. That when a person asks a rabbi or a leader regarding things that require things that are very difficult, things that require a person going out on a limb to do something, the, the rabbi is forced to say, don't do it, even though that's not really what he would want the person to do. He would really want the person to exert themselves and to show serious, serious effort and overcome the obstacles. Therefore, Rav Nassim writes, a person who really wants to come close to Hashem, to the tzaddik, and, and overcome the obstacles, has to be careful not to ask. In certain situations, not to ask. And Rav Nassim says, a person from this will be able to understand certain other situations like this, you know, when and how to apply this. And now one short point that's added, a closing point. Rabbein Azal said that 
on Rosh Hashanah, people can receive tikkunim. People can can the tzaddik can do for them, can accomplish things on their behalf, which are impossible to be done any other time and and throughout the entire year. Even though he himself would not be able to to help these people to repair these people throughout the year. But on Rosh Hashanah, it's possible. And he said, again, there are tikkunim that he accomplishes on Rosh Hashanah that cannot be done any other time. Now, the fact that there are people who can't come or won't come, this is where a person has an opportunity to do whatever they can to be, to be connected, to be attached. Whether it's a person trying to attend a Breslov minion in their area, if there is such a thing, or a person trying to, to support, to participate in whatever way they can in helping Rabbein Azal's Rosh Hashanah, whether it's helping others who can go, who want to go, or whether it's contributing in whatever ways a person can. Any questions, please? On the subject of making that extra effort, that mysterious nefesh you talked about, when the student of the tzaddik would ask, um, so if a person, if a, if, a, if, a, if, a, if a tzaddik says to the student, you know, don't do, no, that's too much, or well, I guess I'm ha- making a distinction between what is mysterious nefesh and what is not, like what is considered mysterious nefesh exactly. The answer is that the answer is that there isn't any one answer for this question. <clears throat> it could apply differently to each individual person and each individual circumstance. So it's not the kind of thing that we can give a one answer that'll that'll answer. Here we've, we've been shown that Rosh Hashanah is in a category of its own. That there's a certain specialness there. That even if a person perceives that there are difficulties, a person should make every effort. To, to to be connected, to connect to the Rosh Hashanah, to Rabbein Azal's Rosh Hashanah. I remember my Rebbe, Rav Rosenfeld, Zechran of Rocha, who passed away <coughs> 40, oh, close to 50 years ago. I remember in those days, there was no possibility. There was the Iron Curtain, and, and no person, no, no tourist could come to the Soviet Union at that time, pretty much. And I remember on Erev Rosh he made a point of saying that it's important for Breslovers to get together for Rosh Hashanah, wherever it is, to try to have a Breslov minion. And then on Rosh in the morning, we would say slichas together. And after the slichas, after the shachris, he would say, let's say tikkanakloli together. This was in Brooklyn, New York. And, and let's picture as if we were in Uman right now, as if we were standing there <clears throat> and reciting the Tikkun HaKloli at the kever of Rabbi Nachman like he wanted us to, because we can't be there physically, and to try to put our heart into it, to try to say it with that kind of kavana, with that kind of feeling as if we were there, you know, that kind of thing. That's an, an example of it. Thank you. A question in the chat, is giving a Pidya Nefesh a sufficient connection to Rabbeinazal? The answer is that it's something very good, very special. There are certain additional things if a person can. For example, there's a custom in Klal Yisrael of going to the cemetery, going to Kvorim on Erev Rosh Hashanah to pray there and to pray that the the, the Sadikim or the parents or grandparents, whoever it is that's buried there, that they should join in our prayers, that their prayers should be joined with our prayers, so that Hashem should give us the brachas that we need, the blessings that we need. If a person is in Eretz Yisrael, if a person has an opportunity to go to any of the Kivrate Sadikim, wherever, there was a time that the Jews, again, the Jews in Poland couldn't travel to Ukraine, and they went to the Kivrei Tzadikim in Poland on Erev Rosh Hashanah to be able to be mispalel there. The Tikkun Akloli, the Vidu Idvorim, the things that Rabbein Azal spoke about that represent a connection to the Tzadik. 
studying, reading the teachings of the tzaddik, all of these things all play an important role in having that connection. The answer is, if it's possible for a question, does this have to be on Erev Rosh Hashanah? If it's possible for a person to go on Erev Rosh Hashanah, that's preferred. If not, there's a concept of within three days. Within three days of a yard site is also a significant time to visit a kever. And then we're told that the month of Elul, even the month of Elul, is an important special time for a person to make a visit to a Jewish cemetery, again, to the grave of a tzaddik, or parents or grandparents, people that a person has a connection to, people or religious people, to be to be mispalo there, to recite Tilim there. I remember again my Rebbe Rav Rosenfeld would make a point during the month of Elul of visiting on Erev Rosh Hashanah, it wasn't possible, and during the month of Elul to visit the grave of his parents to be mispalo there. That was part of the preparation for Rosh Hashanah, for Aseris Yemei Tshuva, for Yom Kippur. Any other questions? We know there's the, the tefillah, the custom in Breslau of saying Hareni Makasha before a person davens, before a person does a major mitzvah, to say, I hereby am attaching myself to all of the tzaddikim that are alive today and to all the tzaddikim that have passed away and especially to my rabbi, if a person feels that special connection to Rabbi Nezal, to, to be able to say that tefillah every day, but especially, again, especially on Erev Rosh Hashanah, on Rosh Hashanah, for a person to keep in mind that this is a, a, the most important time in the year when I need to be connected to the tzaddikim. I need to be connected to the tzaddik. Rabbi, please. What if you can't get to the kever of your parents, um, unfortunately, right now, um, and you'd like to do that? Um, what about a WhatsApp video with a rabbi who will be there, and I would be on the video with them, you know, and I would listen to them say the prayers for me? Would that be anything good? The answer is definitely yes. <clears throat> Even even if it were without, I, I remember my rabbi, Reb Michal Dorfman, speaking about the fact that here again, there are different circumstances where people can't be in a place they'd want to be, and, and saying that if, if, the, if there were people that were present by the kever of Rabbi Nachman, if a person would send a fax with a message, please recite a prayer on my behalf, on behalf of a child that's not well, for any kind of circumstance, to appoint somebody as a messenger on their behalf, to be able to say it feel on their behalf. Or the concept of a person putting a phone down on, 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 at the site, and a person could speak again, and the words can be heard at the site as if the person were standing there. I remember my rabbi, Rav Rosenfeld, was once very, very ill. He was in the hospital, and yet he wanted to join with the minion. And we made a telephone connection at the time, and he was able to listen to the, to the Shmones, listen to the prayers being recited, to be able to answer, Amen, Amen, Yeheshmei Rabbah, even through that connection. So each connection is important. We know Rabbi Nachman writes in Likut Imran that wherever a person's mind is, wherever a person's thoughts are, that's where the person is. So if a person, again, can't get to a certain place, a person with their mind, with their consciousness, puts themselves as if they're there, as if I'm, I'm keeping in mind, as if I'm actually at that place and praying there, whether it's at the Kotel Maravi, at, at a holy place that a person wants to connect to that definitely has some powerful effect. Thank you. And what about, do you do that? Like, if I wanted you to, I'm going, a tough, going through a tough period, is there a way that you uh, would be, I would be able to ask you to pray for me at yes. Rabbi Nachman? Yes, the answer is that? on our website, breastlifttorah.com. There is, okay. a, there is a, a place where a person could submit their name 
and a particular request. And in Yitz Hashem, I hope to be a, a messenger for, for the people that want to do that. We know that during, okay. the, ta- during the time of the Beis Samikdash, the Holy Temple, it's brought that all three categories of Jews were supposed to be present at the time that the daily sacrifice was being brought, the Tomid, the Karban Tomid in the morning and in the afternoon. And there were a select group of Jews, Kohanim, Levim, and Yisraelim, that were there at the time, that represented, they served as messengers on behalf of the entire Jewish community, so that it was considered as if everyone was there. And my rabbi, Rav Rosenfeld, again, this is going back 50 years ago, when he made a trip to Eretz Yisrael, or during those times when he was able even to travel to Uman, not for Rosh Hashanah, but during the year, there were some opportunities that he did go. He would take along a list of names. He would ask people to give money for each name that was submitted, and he would serve as a messenger. He would say, I will recite the Tikkun HaKloli for you, with all the laws of shlichus, as at fulfilling in the Torah, there is a concept of a messenger. A person can make, appoint someone else a messenger in order to marry a woman, to, to, to appoint a person to give her the ring on my behalf, that it should be considered exactly as if I gave her the ring and I was engaging her to be married to me. So here again, there is a concept of appointing a shliach to be there, to pray on my behalf that it should be considered exactly as if I were standing there myself saying these prayers. A very important question. Rabbi Nezal said that he could do things for us if we come to him on Rosh Hashanah when he was physically living. But what can he do today since he's no longer living? And the, the answer is that over there in Chaim Aran, Rab, we, we quoted Rab Nassanzal's words who said we understood from the fact that Rab Nassanzal said these words a few days before he passed away. And it was clear and obvious that he was leaving. It was clear that he wanted this to be continued after his passing. We know the Gemara makes it perfectly clear that a tzaddik is in a position to be able to do more after his passing than during his physical lifetime. The Gemara gives examples of this from Shimshon Agibor and, and other examples. And again, we see the, the Gemara in Saita mentions that the reason why we don't know where Moshe Rabbeinu is buried today is because if the Jews knew where he were buried, where he was buried, they would go there and they would say to him, Moshe Rabbeinu, defend us, pray for us like you did during your lifetime. And Moshe Rabbeinu would rise up and he would nullify the decree. He would force the coming of Moshiach. And Hashem knows, Hashem doesn't want that to happen before the right time. Therefore, we don't know where Moshe Rabbeinu is. So these, these concepts are, mentioned, are found in the Gemara, in other places. If there, there are people who are very strong in their opinions and they believe they're right, and their opinion is right, such people, unfortunately, you can show them proofs from the Gemara, other places, they won't be able to hear it. But if a person is honest and looks at the sources in the Torah, we see that there are many sources throughout the Torah of this concept. Again, Kolev ben Yifuna going to Hebron to pray over there by Avram Yitzchak Yaakov, who were no longer living, and Sarah, Rivka, and Leah praying over there, knowing that by praying at such a holy place, his prayer will definitely be effective as it was, as it was. If a person cannot afford the amount that's specified, then of course, as long as a person is giving what they can, it's definitely accepted. I'd like to now, we still have 15 minutes approximately, I'd like to go back and continue where we left off in the, in the weekly shurim of Chaim Aran, going back to paragraph 362. Rabbeinu Zal said that the chapters in Likutim Aran and in his other sforim 
are, are Torahs that are given on a very general level, meaning they could be applied to every person and to every, every, every day, every holiday, and every part of the Torah. And the more a person studies them and delves into them, they, they experience a new sweetness and they see new enlightening things coming from Rabbi Nezal's teachings. And there's an incredible depth there, even on a simple level. And, and how much more so, those people that are knowledgeable in Kabbalah, things like that, can see incredible things in Rabbi Nezal's Torahs. And Rav Nassim says, this is something that I can't explain. You have to experience it. If a person learns it, and again, especially if a person learns Rav Nassim's forum, and you see how Rav Nassim was able to see such incredible insights in Rav Nassim's words. We know that when Rav first, when Rav first met Rabbi Nachman at their first meeting, Rav told him and his friends three stories. One of the stories was about a student of the Balatanya, that this student heard one of the shiurim of the Balatanya, and he wrote Divrei Torah for eight years based on that one shir that he heard from the Balatanya. And Rabbi Nezal told this at the time because he wanted Rabbi Nezal to know that when Torah is being given over by a tzaddik of that caliber, you need to know that it's not just what he's saying, but a person who delves into what he's saying is going to be able to draw wellsprings of knowledge and be able to see how it applies to every part of the Torah and every part of life and every holiday. And, and Rabbi Nassau gave Rabbi Nassau this introduction. Rabbi Nassau actually took it and ran with it. The Likutei Alochis that we have and the other Sforim, Rabbi Nassau shows how one chapter of Likutei Imran could, could answer hundreds of questions, you know, across the full spectrum of, of Yiddishkeit. In addition, he said that in each one of the chapters in Likut Imran is found the kavonos that the Arizal spoke about in his writings, the Kabbalistic kavonos that are related to the mitzvahs, for, that are found in the Eitzchayim, in the pre-Eitzchayim, and he gives some examples here. For example, chapter 33 in Likutei Maran, where Rabbi Nezalveh speaks <coughs> in, in a very beautiful, sweet way <coughs> about a person's connection to Hashem. And Rabbi Nezal said afterwards that a person who studies that chapter in Likutei Maran will be able to see the kavonos that the Arizal writes about a person performing the mitzvah of Lulav and the Dalad Minim even though there's no mention of lulav or sukkahs at all in any obvious way in that chapter in Likut Imran, but a person who learns the chapter well and knows what the Arizal writes about the mitzvah of lulav and dalad minim will be able to see how beautifully these two come together. Rav Nosenzal in Likut Yalochis gives us some of the connections in, in a beautiful way. And so to another chapter in Likut Imran, chapter 101, where Rabbi Nezal touched on the, the Kiddush that a person makes on Friday night. And there again, Rabbi Nezal said, a person who studies that chapter in Likut Imran will see all the kavanas that the Arizal writes, the Kabbalistic kavanas that are associated with the Kiddush on Friday night. Rabbi Nezal goes on to say that I heard Rabbi Nezal say that he wanted to write a commentary on the Eitz Chaim. The Eitz Chaim is the Arizal's major introductory work explaining, giving the, the, all the basic foundations that a person needs to understand the geography of heaven, as my Rebbe Rav Rosenfeld used to call it. But, and Rabbi Nezal said, but a, a simple explanation is not what's needed, but rather... <clears throat> he would need to give over Divrei Torah that would serve as a commentary, an explanation of the Eitz Chaim. But Rabbi Nezal said, Baruch Hashem, I've already given many shurim that are related to the Eitz Chaim of the Arizal. Rabbi Nezal says, I heard recently from Rabbi Nezal that he said that he recently 
completed studying the Eitz Chaim of the Arizal. <clears throat> the Eitz Chaim is three volumes of some of the deepest concepts in, in Kabbalah, going through the full depth of the creation of the world and, and all the different worlds. And Rabbi Nezal said, I saw that it's all Musr, that the, the Eitz Chaim of the Arizal is all teaching us about closeness to Hashem. Now, most people who study the Eitz Chaim or study Sifrei Kabbalah, it looks to them that it's, it's more of a technical type of Sefer. But Rabbi Nezal was able to see in it the Musr, the lessons that a person could derive from the different names of Hashem, from how the worlds operate, to be able to derive lessons as to how we could serve Hashem better. And so too, several chapters in Likutei Moran, chapter 38, chapter 35, and other chapters which Rabbi Nezal spoke about around that time. And Rabbi Nezal said, if you study those chapters in Likutei Moran well, you'll be able to see the kavanas of the mitzvah of tefillin that the Arizal speaks about in the Shara Kavanas and the Pri Chaim. You'll be able to see all of that included in those chapters of Likut Imran, even though you don't see it in an obvious way. Rabbi Nezal also commented that those chapters in Likut Imran, which are actually his wording, where he gave over his sheets, his notes to Rav Nosanzal, and Rav Nosanzal copied over the exact wording of Rabbi Nezal, those chapters especially are, are clolius. They cover incredible, vast amounts of, of depth of knowledge of Torah. But he said the most important thing that he wanted people to derive from his Torah is the Musr, the encouragement and motivation to want to come close to Hashem, to want to serve Hashem, and the advice that a person could find throughout those Torahs to help us be able to be better human beings, better Jews, besides the, the depth, the, the secrets that are hidden in them. And Rav Nosanzal says once again, I, I can't express this in writing. Each and every person on their own level who studies these teachings will be able to experience this. Any questions, please? Paragraph 363, Rabbi Nosan says, I heard it told over in the name of Rabbi Nezal that shortly before I met him, Rabbi Nezal said he was yearning, he wanted very, very much to have someone come to him who was knowledgeable in Torah, very knowledgeable in Torah, and had the ability to express things very clearly, both verbally and in writing. And, and Rabbi Nezal said, if I have someone like that, I'll be able to explain the writings of the Arizal. I'll be able to simplify it in a manner where children, teenagers, who, who know how to learn, who know how to learn Gemara, basic Torah knowledge, will be able to understand all of the writings of the Arizal. Those that are familiar with the writings of the Arizal, <coughs> that's the the, the most vast resource of knowledge in, in explaining all of the Kabbalah. And, and Rabbi Nezal said that he would have the ability to be able to bring it down to a level that people with, with basic knowledge of Torah would be able to appreciate it and be able to benefit from it. Paragraph 364. Rav Nosanzal writes, I was once discussing with Rabbi Nezal the, the, the teachings of the Arizal, the Kabbalah, the, the manner in which the Arizal presents the, 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 all the Kabbalistic concepts. And Rabbi Nezal said to me at the time that the Arizal's presentation of Kabbalah is one, is completely one with the way the Ramak, Rav Moshe Cordovero, presents Kabbalah, 
We know Rav Moshe Kordevero lived around the same time as the Arizal. He passed away during the Arizal's lifetime. And he also wrote, he wrote the Sefer Pardes Rimoinim and other Sforim that are some of the basic Sforim where all the Kabbalistic concepts are presented. And then Rav Nosanzal says, several years later, I was speaking to Rav about the Arizal's Sforim, the, the Arizal's teachings, and Rav said that the, the Kabbalah, the way the Arizal presents Kabbalah is very, very different and way, way above the way the, the, the Ramak Ramosha Kardovero in his Sefer Pardes does. And Rav says, I, I was shocked. And I asked Rav very respectfully, didn't I once hear from you that it's all really one? That the Arizal's presentation and Ramosha Kardovero's presentation is all really one? And Rav said, probably if I said that, I knew what I was saying. And Rav Nosanzal says, this is, this is something very hidden and deep, in a sense. However, however, he adds, a person who has the ability to understand can understand that it's not a contradiction at all, that both statements of Rav are 100% valid and true, meaning that on one hand, <coughs> regarding emuna real pure emuna in Hashem, both are one, both the Arizal's methodology, the Arizal's presentation, and Ramosha Kerdevera's presentation are one. And yet the manner in which they present their teachings, these incredible secrets, there's a vast difference. A person who will study the Arizal's forum and study the forum of Ramosha Cordovero will see that they, they appear very, very different. It's not, there's not contradictions. It's a completely different way of presenting. Despite the fact that in, on, on a higher level, it's all really one. And Rav Nosazal says, I cannot really elaborate further on this because when we're speaking about these types of things, Sifre Kabbalah, the, the study of the secrets of Torah, the, certain things are better left unsaid. And those, he adds those words, Vahamaskilim Yovinu, those people who understand will understand what I'm saying. In Rabbi Nezal's Sefer, Sichoi Saran, Rabbi Nachman's wisdom, <coughs> Rabbi Nezal said that he knew the Eitz Chaim and the Pre-Eitz Chaim and all the writings of the Arizal and the Zohar Kodesh and especially the Tikkun Zohar, that he had studied all of these for him very, very well. And Rabbi Nezal said we understood that this was during his youth. This was possibly during his teenage years or at most in his early 20s. And Rabbi Nezal praised especially whenever he spoke about the Tikkune Zoyar, he said that this is something, this is the most incredible Sefer. And Rabbi Nezal was involved in studying the Tikkune Zoyar, not only during the month of Elul, when many people study the Tikkune Zoyar or read the Tikkune Zoyar, but also throughout the year. And Rabbi Nezal said that in the Tikkune Zoyar are found all wisdoms of the world. Every type of wisdom of the world is found in the Tikkune Zoyar. One more item on this topic, paragraph 365. Rabbein said, any person who will study his forum carefully and who has the proper knowledge will be able to see Rabbein, Rabbein said the person will, 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 will experience the, 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 the Kabbalah, the methodology of Kabbalah that the Arizal reveals and things similar to that. And a person will, will see that it's hinted to in Rabbein Azal's forum. He quotes the Arizal throughout and many of the concepts that Rabbein Azal presents are related to what the Arizal is presenting. 
and, and Rabbein Azal said, people get the impression that, that what the Arizal is saying is on a much higher level. And Rabbein Azal said they don't necessarily realize that, but just the opposite. He said that all of the methodologies, all of the teachings of the earliest Sifrei Kabbalah are all included in his words. And Rabbein Azal says, Rabbein Azal didn't explain this more clearly, but we understood that, that the, the full depth of his Torah is way, way, is on, on an incredible, incredible high level. And their words also, the words, the teachings that we find in the writings of the Arizal and the other Mekubolim and the Zohar Kodesh are also included and contained in his Torah. Just like, for example, when the Gemara says that, that the Gemara presents a certain teachings, and the Gemara says we have a smach, we have an asmachta, we can show the, a connection to a posik. Not that the posik is directly speaking about that, but it has some of this in it. So here also, Rav Nosanzal said, the thing, the thing that's being presented is usually something that's on a higher level than the thing it's being associated with. And this again is Rav Nosanzal stressing to us that Rabbein forum have tremendous depth. A person who learns it properly and, and believes in the holiness of these forum, a person will be able to see and, and experience some of that depth, each one on their level. We want to wish everybody, this, this is the week that we're headed into Erev Rosh Hashanah, Rosh Hashanah, that the year should close on a good note. Everyone, all of us, all those that need refuas and yeshuas of every type, that Hashem should close the year with, with good tidings, and that the new year, the Rosh Hashanah, everyone should have a ksiva achsima all of us should be written into the book of life. Life meaning a, a good life, what the Torah defines as a good life, a happy life, a fulfilling life, we should be zeichet to renew our connection to Hashem, to the tzaddikim, to the Torah, and get to see the final geula shlema. Bimheira b'yameinu, amen v'yameinu.